That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Friday, September 15th, 2023. Jack Devine joins us today by popular request. Jack, it's a pleasure, my dear friend. Thank you well, very much. So many people were anxious to have me back, Judge. That's a vote of confidence. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, uh, I want you back. And <laughs> a lot of people are a lot of people are happy when we prevent, present uh, viewpoints uh, that are that challenge uh, the normal viewpoints that we talk about. Everybody knows your views uh, on the war are not the same as the other guests we have, and I'm interested in exposing my viewers to your views uh, as well. So and that for- works for me, and that works for me as well. I get a lot out of this. Be- well, be- because there's a different angle, different view, and you need to hear it. Thank you. You need to think uh, about. It. First, uh, a couple of big picture questions, and then I want to talk about uh, Ukraine and particularly some of views that uh, you and your uh, group uh, articulated as uh, recent as last week. But big picture questions. How did the CIA ever get a secret army? Well, I'm not sure what you mean by Well, most of the CIA history was not a secret army. Right. In other words, whether even in Afghanistan, it wasn't an army. You're talking about less than 150 people. So when you do covert action, you're running locals, right? So the CIA does not have what I would call a standing army. People from the army are detailed, young people that, and we'll have an infrastructure from the build from to build from that. So I don't think secret army, unless you're talking about if you're really going to um, Af- not Afghanistan, but let's say today Ukraine, there is no secret army there. Well, if that's the question. I'm going to say there is no secret. Okay, army. when when President Obama uh, decided to uh, rid Libya of Muammar Gaddafi and famously uh, announced that this was happening while Congress was on spring break and he was in Brazil. I don't know if you remember this. This is uh, about midway through. I remember some of the shootouts there for sure. Okay, this is midway through his second term. And when asked why he didn't inform uh, the the, uh, Congress under the War Powers Resolution, which gives him pretty much free reign for 90 days, and then he's got to inform, then he can do another 90 days, and there are some technical requirements, he said, I didn't use the military, so the war powers resolution didn't apply. What did you use? Well, he didn't say CIA, but he said intelligence assets. So does the CIA me, does the CIA yeah. have bombs and missiles and jets and, and automatic weapons? 
Absolutely not. What what you what we're really talking about here, and it, it's you can use my experience in Afghanistan as a replica. Of, of sure. That, is you have a you know you might have a hundred people right on a big project, the biggest uh, covert action project up until Afghanistan uh, was that operation, and you have about a hundred CIA give or take running this. So it's not an army, and I think that's the point. Where the president or these quotes, I, I can't testify to the, uh, the quotes, the CIA, he can't use the CIA with covert action. Any president, no president, excuse me, can use the CIA without going to Congress. In other words, he, whether he used the U.S. military and went for war powers or he decided to use CIA as a covert action arm, you're obligated to tell the Congress within 78 hours if you're going to take under uh, take on a covert action operation. Okay, under the war so powers. It's not, under the, it's not the CIA. CIA is not free of congressional oversight. Okay, under the war powers resolution, he has to inform the entire Congress in a public way. Uh, under the covert action, he only has to inform the, the gang of eight, which is the Congress uh, within the Congress, the chair and ranking member of the two intelligence committees and the Republican and Democrat leaders of each house. So that's, that's a secret notification and they can't repeat well, what they hear in secret, right? It's a little bigger. It's a little bigger than that. It's actually the full committees. When there's something extraordinarily sensitive, uh, it goes to gang of eight, but a long, a program like the one you're talking about, that is the, the full, uh, the full committee. So now you're talking dozens of congressmen, both parties, left, right. I like that because you need you need full support. Uh, those who don't think you need full bipartisan support, not full, but you need bipartisan support, really okay. don't understand the process. So it it is has more uh, oversight than than someone might think. The gang of eight is for very special things that you know one of your assets are going to get killed or something. Right. You know, but there's oversight and there's oversight. If if the intelligence community informs members of Congress in a secure skiff of some event that's going to happen, they can't go outside that skiff and discuss it with the public or the press and even that's, or even fellow members of Congress, right? That's correct. And the Congress has been historically um, uh, very judicious in how it behaves, no matter where you are in the spectrum. There are exceptions where things have leaked to great, the great detriment of human life, but it's rare. The Congress handles this. I'm not a proponent of Congress. I know people are going to, you know, you're right. No, I understand where you're coming from. You say you call Congress judicious. I call them compliant. <laughs> well, you haven't met as many of them as I have, or you haven't met the same ones. <laughs> compliant is not the first thing that comes to mind. You know, when I Part was... Your job, uh, let me tell you, if your folks might find this interesting. Part of your job as a senior CIA person, when you're in charge of these programs, you have to go down and make a persuasive case. Right, understood. And it's there, it, understood. You'll get every a question from every angle. Now, remember, I should add one other thing that your folks may not be aware of. Other than the most sensitive meetings, you have staff personnel that are right behind the congressman. So they've done a lot of research or taking notes. It is not, it's not a gentleman's club, and certainly gender-wise, neither anymore. But it's not, it's it's you have to go prepared. Uh, you know, this is not a casual meeting. Uh, I would prepare everybody I know prepares and have people helping them prepare for a congressional briefing. Okay. You better know what you're talking about when you go down there. Jack, uh, who destroyed the Nord Stream pipeline? 
I'm still working that one. I am still working that one. I I'm settling where I did at the beginning. You know, you I, think it was two guys in a sailboat, or you think it was the CIA, think, like Cyhurst said? Well, I'm, you, I'm convinced it's not the CIA. Well, look at this: one. the CIA has gone on the record. They usually don't go on the record. They're going to record that we're involved. I, but I have practical reasons why the CIA uh, didn't do that. They would have to do what you and I have just been talking about. You can't do that operation without briefing the full committees. In other words, that's not a gang of eight. That's a full committee because of the repercussions. And remember, let me tell you about the gang of eight in this. They hate being the gang of eight. They don't like being the gang. Why? Because they're then held responsible by all the other senators. Why didn't you tell us about that? So they try to avoid gang of eight meeting. They don't embrace it like, oh, we're really special. They Got hate it. it. If, so I, um, I think that would have been briefed and it would have been leaked. I don't think the Brits would ever have done it without coordinating. <laughs> so if, I think if the, the American Russians, and I don't, I, at the end, I didn't think it was practical for them to do it. So I settled on, I think Ukrainians said it. Now, what has happened is you've seen more aggressive things inside Russia now for the Ukrainians. This seemed really bold until now, as you start to look at it, there's a lot of aggressive action by the Ukrainians. So I, I'm, I'm not sure of it. I don't know anyone that really is, but I, I think I could settle on a Ukrainian operation. If American uh, personnel, whether CIA, Navy SEALs, whatever they were, did it, would Putin be morally and legally justified in retaliating? Well, first, I don't think the hypothesis works. Uh, they would not have been involved. Okay, they weren't involved, so I don't want to do that. You think Cy Hirsch made well, this up? This way, I have real trouble giving Putin moral authority on anything. I mean, he's a, he's brutal. He's now a public assassin. I mean, why would I give him moral authority? Why would he even put those words in his, his mouth? He has no moral authority. What is the uh, basis for your recently articulated uh, belief in renewed hope for a Ukraine victory in the war. Yeah, well, here's where we've been for a long, long time. Actually, we're still to Ukrainian this week. We have a lot of time for. Um, what is the victory, right? I'm right. And different from your other folks. Right. I've been saying if they just held off the Russians, remember, we were going to give Zelensky a ticket. We were so pessimistic about you hold off Russia. That's my version of, of, of victory. Now, what this Ukrainian that I was talking to this week said, which made a lot of sense, is, Jack, do you realize that every war we've had, our country was occupied and the, there was no uh, Ukraine left at the end. We were not an integral part, uh, an integral uh, United a, a country. He said, no matter where, how this turns out, there will be a Ukraine sovereign state, and that's a victory. So it's how you define it. I would just say, I would say in the case of the Russians, it clearly has been a big setback and one they weren't anticipating. Would would you define um, a standstill where they are now and the cessation of violence and and no more deaths uh, as uh, an acceptable, I don't know if the word victory is right, but an acceptable end? Judge, Judge, this is my forecast from the beginning. Right. This is where we were going to end up. Right. Where there is no peace treaty. I was talking to a prominent lawyer. So there has to be an armistice to sign the document. I said, that is never going to happen. Putin can't sign it without being overthrown. And neither can Zelensky. This is not going to happen. But there can be a cessation about where we are. The Ukrainians are not. I was also 
interested in uh, the conversation I had with him because he said, look, what happens if we take the Donbass? There aren't any Ukrainian loyalists there. They all left the fight. What's left are Russia. But what do we do with it? We're going to occupy the Donbass? So I think what we're looking at right now, I think here's my prediction, latest fresh one for you, is that I think there's going to be another six months of trying to outmaneuver. I think the Ukrainians realize that they're not going to have a strategic breakthrough. I think they realize that now. That's my judgment. Putin's moving toward it, but he's hoping Kim Jong-un is going to give him what he needs to make life more miserable. He's going to try and get another army. But I think we're getting close to six months of, or is it a victory? Is one 20 meters here, 20 there? Right, I, I understand. Think, you. But I, I'm going to say in 12, this is my prediction, Go 12 ahead. 18 months, we will probably be looking at not a cessation, but a tamping down where both sides are complicit and we're not going to bomb Kiev. We're going to stop bombing things inside Russia. You know, they had the war in 2014. There's no settlement there either, right? They just slowed down. So well, I think we're probably 12 to 18 months. Neither, neither country can sustain this, in my view. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, President President Zelensky uh, has argued that the Donbass and the area around it, now militarily and politically aligned with Russia is really Ukraine and the people there are Ukrainians. Put aside what language they speak and put aside their culture. Is it morally licit for the Ukraine government to be shelling and killing those people, civilians in Eastern Ukraine? I would refine the analysis in line with what I just said. I think the Ukrainians at the highest level understand Donbass is not Donbass of old. There aren't any Ukrainians there. There are Russians. They're, in other words, they're bombing uh, Russian Ukrainians. So, but that's, you know, your, your point, there's two points here. One is I'm suggesting that maybe the Ukrainians already understand how problematic that is. And it's not that they're not going to cut off, try and cut off the pass from uh, Russia to Crimea. I think they're coming to the point that we're not going to get Crimea in this this period this this fight, right? And then so at a certain point, both sides have to settle down, and 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 then uh, there'll be chance for a rebuild and so on. But I, what I said before is the Russians made their big push, the Ukrainians made theirs. I said on this show it is not going to be anywhere near as dramatic as everyone's hoping. I think Putin's going to try one more time to do something, and that's six months out, and it'll end up, well, I can't take it over, so, but it's a good show, and then they'll 
it'll quietly die down. It'll be off the front page of the papers. And, you know, I don't mean, I don't mean to make, I want to correct myself. That's too blasé. But in a bigger scheme of things, that's where I think we're really headed. I think there's realism in Ukraine about that. And maybe whatever the public statement. Okay, I don't whatever. Think- I don't think whatever the whatever the nationality is of the human beings living in Donbass, whether they're Russian speaking Russians or Russian speaking Ukrainians, is it morally licit for the Ukrainian government to be shelling them, their civilians, and killing them? Well, why don't you start with the question, how can Russia try and slaughter the entire country? But because I, I really want to push I you, think, I want to push you to the wall. The answer is the best of my knowledge, they are not out deliberately shelling civilians. Are okay. civilians getting killed? Yes. Is Putin deliberately just hitting targets? Now he could hit more, right? He could hit more civilians. Actually, the situation in Kiev is frankly not so bad during the day. In terms of shelling, I mean, there just isn't any. Right. So, or, so my point is, I don't. I'm not sure where we get on the moral part of it. I would just say, you know, God, what, what a terrible situation Putin has created. War is ugly, but I don't. I see nothing to indicate that the Ukrainians are deliberately trying to kill civilians. That, okay. That's their game. Plan. I want. I want to play a clip for you from President Zelensky, who argues in this clip contrary to what you have just said, that there can be no peace until we expel the Russians from eastern Ukraine and from Crimea. So take a look and tell me, tell me what you think, Jack. Is Crimea the keyword for a path toward peace? Above best Donbass. Without the Crimea, without uh, the Donbass, without our occupied territories, there won't be true sustainable peace in Ukraine, which means there will not be peace in this European area. So, yeah, it can be solved diplomatically or it can be resolved in a military way. We are for the Russian troops to leave the peninsula without our pressure because it will mean less victims, less casualties. We care after own people. And we are caring after our own people. Let Putin care after his own citizens. Jack, is it realistic that the Russians could be pushed out of Donbass, eastern Ukraine, and out of Crimea? Is, yeah. is President I, Zelensky realistic? Yeah. So what I am, what I've said at the very beginning of the show is exactly what I would say today. He, <laughs> that is not the reality. What he just said, and I think he knows that. But. If you were in his shoes, you don't say, oh, I think we're going to throw in the towel. I mean, I think, you know, there is a there's a serious chess match going on. And, you know, you don't say, I'm going to move here next. So I'm saying take that with a grain of salt and stick with my call on that there is realism about what's possible. You will start to hear this. You will hear what I'm saying. This is my prediction. Over the next month, you'll hear more people in Ukraine saying, you know, this this thing is going to be wound down. Will you uh, will we begin to hear that uh, from London and from Washington uh, stated differently? Are is the West getting tired uh, of no serious movement either way? But th- th- this is a, this is actually a strategic play that has to uh, it had the whole show has to go on until the third act. Right. So I don't think we're we going to, what we have to do 
to get Putin to stop is you need to keep the fighting going for six six more months. You have to keep this going so that he is convinced that no, it's not realistic, and therefore I have to join the Ukrainians in a more realistic solution. He's not going to sit down with Zelensky. There's going to have to be people to talk about. There will be nothing public. This thing will just wind down with some ground rules that will be unwritten. So I, I think I think we're going to stick with it, and God forbid we pull back because then Putin will think, I can continue this for another year, right? He has to be convinced, and anyway, he's going to be convinced in the next few months, and I think he's heading there. You know, Rogozhin is a real wake-up call for him, that this thing has to end or his own political stability is at risk, and I've written to that, spoken to it. Here's uh, another uh, clip from President Zelensky basically saying a frozen war, meaning no no movement of the line between two forces is not peace. We have to get our our land. We have to get to occupy the land, and it's all, all also not about the land. It's about the people because the frozen war is not the peace. Putin he want to take all our country, to destroy all our families, houses, because if he understands why he destroyed, he understands that, that Ukraine will never go back, go away from our land, will never do it. That's why he has to kill us. I enjoy writing, I enjoy writing because words mean a lot. Right. The meaning of each word. Right. What do you think he says that for political, for domestic he, political consumption? Because he wants to. He's using the word. This is like this. Let me let me do this wordsmithing for one second. He's saying peace. I Jack Devine is not talking peace. I'm talking tamping down of cessation. Nothing is totally resolved. There's no peace agreement, and Zelensky's right. There's no peace agreement. That doesn't mean we still don't have a peace agreement with North Korea. Right. So I think there, you know, you can get into this word stuff and wordsmithing. So there's a difference. I'm not suggesting that there's peace and harmony and we all freeze it here. What I'm saying is it'll be a cessation. Guess what's going to happen during the cessation? Russia's going to try and build a bigger, stronger, smarter army. What are the Ukrainians going to do? They're going to rebuild their army. There is not peace. I, 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 this, let's be really clear here. I'm saying they cannot sustain it at this level, they both have to bring it down. Different play, different show. Pieces are for what I'm saying. Before I let you go, because I'm I'm so fond of you and of our friendship, uh, I'm going to play a clip from Admiral Kirby, the spokesperson for the National Security Council, saying what I think Jack Devine believes. What is the administration's goal? Is it to defeat Russia, or is it ultimately to seek some sort of negotiated settlement? Man, I don't know how many times I've answered this question in the last year and a half. And we have been, again, very, very consistent. We want to see uh, Ukraine succeed on the battlefield. We want to see them get all their territory back. We want to see their sovereignty respected. We want to see no Russian troops inside Ukraine. We want to see the war end. And uh, it could end today, obviously, if Mr. Putin would do the right thing and just get the hell out. That's clearly not going to happen right now. So we're going to continue to provide uh, Ukraine with the capabilities that they need to be successful. His key, line, his, key, his key line is not going to happen now, right? right. So I'm saying, I'm saying there isn't going to be any peace, but what's going to happen is I'm sticking with it. I didn't hear him quite say what I was saying. How would you I'm have saying, said it? How would you have said it if you were the spokesperson for the government? You're oh, no, excuse me. Official. Excuse me. 
excuse me. I didn't say I wouldn't say what he said. Oh, okay. All right. But, I don't want to put words in your mouth. But if I were to say to you, what has, should be the goal of American involvement in Ukraine in 100 words or less, how could you answer it? Our objective is to get Putin to stop the war activity and hopefully keep enough pressure on him that he decide that he leaves the scene. There is a bigger issue, and I, I've been saying it, Judge. So it's the whole tight, and the Russians will take care of this problem. If we get wobbly knees, a soft-spoken, uh, you know, peacenik old saying, he is going to stay fighting, killing people, not only in Ukraine. If we waver, this is not the moment to be, you know, march marching and talking about. There is not going to be a peace agreement. There is not going to be one. So. Keep this pressure on, and I'm saying both sides will, there won't be a table where they sit down. Both sides will slow down the war for a while. That's a good thing. And then God has to figure out what's going to happen in the next war. They can't sustain it at this level. Jack Devine, you, uh, you are steadfast in your view and one in a million. Thank you very much for joining us, my dear friend. I want your audience to know that, too, and go back and check the record on what I say and where I am, because this is not like a revisionist history here. Thank you for your kind comments. And well, thanks. Uh, thank you for your... I, I appreciate your think, the thinking part of your audience. Thank you for your time, Jack. There you have it, my uh, friends. From time to time, I feel morally compelled uh, to allow a view that I know most of you don't uh, accept to challenge uh, your way of thinking. I do that because I, I like you and respect you. Now, we're still at 199,000 uh, subscribers. We're oh so close to 200,000. Just knock on a few doors, send a few emails. We'll break that 200,000 uh, threshold probably this afternoon. 4.15 today, Eastern Time, our roundtable, Larry Johnson and uh, Ray McGovern. Maybe one day Jack Devine will join that roundtable. We'll see. Uh, Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.